Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Good. Terry, thank you for that, man. I just drinking out of my daughter's sippy cup this morning, and it, it's cute, but I, I think I, I just drank some Cheerios while I, while I did it, so... <laughs> So excuse me just for a moment. Nothing like second breakfast just to get you cranked for this morning. Well, we're so glad that you came this morning. Man, aren't you glad to be in church? Man, I'm so, so thankful. And of course, we know this is where the church meets. But man, I, I'm, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Anybody else being thankful to be a Christian? I, I love this man, Jesus, with all my heart. And uh, for those of you that this is your first time here and you're wondering what is this place, well, we are a people that are absolutely in love and in awe of this man, Jesus, that we serve. He has changed our lives for the better. And uh, we're so excited to talk about him. This is what we do at this church. Our vision here is to impact generations for Jesus. We're not here to make church the greatest thing in the whole wide world, although it is. It's, we acknowledge this man, Jesus, and we're just part of what he's doing, which is building his church. And so we're so glad that you came this morning. I want to just make a quick uh, couple mention. Uh, yesterday, we had an opportunity. We had Impact Red Deer yesterday. So for those of you that came out, we went around door to door, and they passed out a bunch of pastries. I mean, it snowed raked. It was kind of an awkward day for it. But those that came out, just want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart. Uh, we went out to impact the city with no strings attached. I know the verse the, the Lord gave us for these impact Red Deer days was Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. But you know what? Jesus just went around doing good. So therefore, we go around just doing good. Why? Because Jesus loves us. He cares about us. And when we say no strings attached, meaning we're not looking for anything in return, we're not expecting, now we give you this, you better show up to church on tomorrow. No, it's we're just giving to show the love of God because the love of Christ controls us. It compels us to do something. So thank you so much for everyone that came out yesterday. We had a, it was a cold time that I heard. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, also, before we get going this, I also want to make a quick mention um, coming up. Well, next weekend, next week, Sunday evening, we're going to be having um, our encounter night. So just a time of worship like we had this morning uh, and just, but prolonged, just taking time just to really be in the presence of God. So I encourage you uh, next weekend, next week, Sunday evening at six o'clock, it's going to be good. And guess what? You get an hour of sleep next week extra. Unless you're a parent, you don't, but <laughs> so that's pretty much everyone in this room. Okay. But uh, so I encourage you to get an extra hour of sleep. That's an extra hour of praise. Oh, giddy, giddy. So that's what we're going to be doing next week. Uh, and then also coming up real quickly is also a parenting weekend that we have. And I want to just encourage everyone, if you are a parent or if you are a grandparent or if you aspire to be a parent, this weekend is for you. And it's going to be a Friday evening, Saturday morning, and it's going to, it's going to be real practical, going to give you some powerful tips because, again, our, our job here is to impact generations for Jesus. But we're hungry and training godly children in this day and this age. That's, that's our desire, that they come and know the Lord. And so, parents, we, got it, we need tools. And like my wife beautifully illustrated last weekend on the video, uh, none of my kids came with a training manual. That they, you know, out, out of the womb and they said, yeah, this is how you're supposed to treat me and this is how things are going to go. Uh, so we have the word of God. That's our tool. And thank God that there's some practical tips for you and I on how to raise them. And so we'll have some things for um, young kids and then also for teenagers as well and raising them in the day that we are living in. So make yourself available to that because that's what we got going on uh, coming up in November. So if you got your Bibles with you, go to John chapter 10. <clears throat> Everybody ready this morning? Just so you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. 
I had six hours of sleep, so I'm, I'm geared up. <laughs> just, just so you know, sleep is overrated. That's what I hear. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm so excited for what Jesus is going to speak to you about this morning. And again, what are the two words that God gave us for this year? Digging deep. So this is what we're doing this morning. Every time that we gather together, no matter what it is, is it a weekend service or if you're coming through a connect group of some sort, we are digging deep. And the purpose for digging deep is for you and I to really be a vessel that God can use to reach other people. Not only when we dig deep, it's going to bless us tremendously. Right? Anybody dig deep before in your relationship with God and it just blessed you? Man, it, it's helped me. But even further than that, it's so that we can be a blessing and reach other people with the depth that we have. Right? I mean, you can only really reach or minister from the place that you've gone. Like, for example, the worship team, they cannot be shallow and lead you into depth. Come on, somebody. So I, I'm thankful that we got some deep teams up here that have gone into the presence of God that can lead us places that may you've not gone on yourself, but when you just plug in, it'll take you a little bit further. So this is why you and I here is to be depth of life, yes, for us, so that others can draw from the wells that you and I have dug as well. And that's what we're excited about. That's where we're going because I believe this, that we are a distribution center of the word of leaders in this place to go out and reach the city. I believe that. Thank you for your enthusiasm on that. That's who we are. We are not a shallow church. So if that's what you're wondering, oh, I wonder what they're like. We don't go shallow. Why? Because it doesn't work. Right? It's, it's, so what are we deep? Me, I don't mean that in a scary way or a weird way. I just simply mean that we want everything Jesus came to purchase for us. And that's what we're after. Right? So in John chapter 10, verse 10, <clears throat> it says this. And I'm going to just reiterate a few things that I did last week. But our series is This is Living. This is what we're learning, is learning how to live this life. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus makes a very prof many times, but sadly, a lot of Christians out there don't quite understand this verse yet. Jesus said this, the thief has only one thing in mind. Everybody say, one thing. This is what's on his mind today, right at this moment. He wants to do three things. He wants to steal, he wants to slaughter, he wants to destroy. This is the only thing that's on this mind. So if you may be wondering, I wonder if the devil's got anything good on his agenda. He's got nothing good on his agenda for you in my life ever. He's never looking at you going, oh, I wonder how I can help him today. He hates you and I with a passion. Why? Because we are created in the image of God. And since he can't touch anything, God, he can't go near God, he's going to come after what God loves most and it's you and I. So this is what he's after. He's coming to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't just go, well, good luck out there. You know, do your best, and, uh, you know, I'll hope to see you at the end. No, he goes on to say, but I have come. Man, I love those words. I have come to do what? To give. Everybody say give. Now, notice in there it doesn't say anything about me working for it, me striving for this. He says, I came to give you everything in abundance. So I don't know why people have a hard time with abundance. Religious folk do, but Jesus thinks it's great. Now, this is abundance in every area of your life. He wants you to have everything in abundance, more than you expect. Everybody say that with me. More than I expect. <laughs> How many of you got some high expectations? Man, I, that, that's good. Guess what? He wants to do more than that yet. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we sing about and we worship. He wants to give you more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Wow. This is the life that Jesus came to give you and I. Now, we talked about it real briefly last week, but again, how does the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy? If he, could, if he wanted to, 
or if he could have, he would have already done it. But how can, what's his access point? Thoughts. The only way the enemy can get into your and my life is through a thought. And once a thought is taken, once a thought is received, it becomes now a mindset. And now you have this mindset and now you perceive life through this mindset, through this lens that you now carry with you, right? No matter what it is. And his ultimate joy is, is to steal, to slaughter and to destroy. So when you're thinking depression is a form of, of stealing, he's after your joy. So rather than thinking I'm a depressed person, no, you are actually created in the image of God who is joy, who is peace. This is who he is. So the enemy is after your joy. So he comes to steal it and trade it with depression. So depression is not who you are. Come on, somebody say that. I'm not depressed. Now you may be dealing with some things, but thank God Jesus came to give you life, everything in abundance until you flow, overflow. This is what he came to give you and I. So don't settle, don't cope with things because Jesus came to give you more than you expect. Coping is a dangerous place to be. This is just, you know, how my life is. Don't settle. Oh, my ankle's been sprained for a year. I'm going to just live with it. Don't live with it. This is something my wife always tells me. Why do people settle? Don't settle. Stop settling for what you've just experienced in life. When he came to give you, give you, he came to give it to me. So if he's handing it out to me, what do I got to do? I got to receive it. If he came to give me joy, don't just go, oh, no, Lord, that's just too wonderful to take. I'm going to just hold on to my depression and live with it. Are you kidding me? I want what everything that he came to give me. Anybody else in the house want that? Everything he came to give me. Now, on the contrary, the same way the enemy comes in, how does Jesus, how do you experience this life that he came to give you and I? It's through thoughts. It's the same way. This is how we came to do it. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, <clears throat> in the New Living, it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God, everybody say, let God. You have to let him. Let him do what? Let him transform you. He wants to, listen, God's in the transforming business. Well, how is he going to do that? Into a new person by changing the way that you think. So I have to take his thoughts and now bring those into my mentality so that they become my mindsets and so that I perceive life through God's thinking and not through the enemy's thinking. Right? There's only two different thoughts that you can have. It's God's thoughts or the enemy's thoughts. There's not a third party in this. It's him or the enemy. So who are you hanging around with? Who's feeding you thoughts? Who's giving you the best ideas? What's, what's being stirred up in you? Right? Because my thinking and my living really go hand in hand. And it's a direct result of who's feeding me their thoughts. So again, what we're going to do is what we're, when we come to church and what you do on a regular basis is we want this word to rub off on us. Everybody take your Bible, just rub it a little bit. We want the word to rub off on you. Why? Yes, you are born again in your spirit. You are just like Jesus in your spirit, hands down. But where's the area that gives people the problem? It's our brain. So again, we want the word. Come on, let's rub our Bibles. I, I wish it would transfer by osmosis. And I thought that worked in math class. I could just slide my math underneath my pillow and please get it. Please get trigonometry. Please get trigonometry. Please get trigonometry. Only to come out test day next day. And I had no idea how to do trigonometry. <laughs> Why? I'll never need trigonometry in my life. And I don't. So <laughs> unless somebody asked me something on that, that I, I don't know. <laughs> I have a calculator on my phone, which at one day teachers told me, you'll not always have a calculator on you when you need it. <laughs> I do. 
I have a calculator, so it's, it's true, it's true, it's, I have one, and, uh, and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> Uh, but we want this, this word, God's thoughts, to rub off on us. Why? So that we can think like him. Let me just show you another reason why we want the word to rub off on us. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at this, verse 14. It says, thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now, isn't that cool? I, I believe that. You know, a lot of times when I, when I spend time with the Lord in his word, a lot of times I will stop and I'll say, I believe that. Because again, faith is a choice. You choose to believe this or you don't. You can't say, oh, I choose not. To. It's hard for me to believe that. No, you either do or you don't. So when I, when I see this, he has made me his captive and he continues to lead me along in Christ's victory. I believe that. I'm being led today in Christ's victory. I speak this. So I believe it. Right? And it says, now, we say now. Now he uses us. He's using me, he's using you to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. So let me ask you this morning, what do you smell like? Well, I'll continue on. It says, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance, okay? Rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Now, let me just, uh, let me read this first. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell. You smell like B.O. when you get around people that are not born again. You're a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? And he goes on to say, well, we have been God anointed us. The reason why we want his word to rub off on us is we want to spread the fragrances of God. The same way, anybody put on deodorant this morning? La raise your hand. <laughs> okay. And while your hand was raised, anybody just, you know, take a quick, just do one of those? Anybody, you know, anybody did not put on deodorant? So there's a big gap here. Okay, that's, that's good. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> That's why Pastor Sheila's way over here and one's way over here. We're going to... But here's the thing about this fragrance. If you want something to rub off on you, how many times do you apply deodorant? How many times do you put it on? Daily, right? And sometimes for those that have a little bit more of an odor, what do you do? You put it on twice, thrice, thrice. However many times a day you got to do, you put that stuff on. I remember like every time we go to the gym right after, you know, you see all these sweaty dudes walking around. I don't know what it is, but the men's change room is kind of weird to me now. It's just, it's, it's weird. There's a lot of just older guys that would just walk around as if there's, they're on their own. <laughs> just... You know, I'm just trying to put on my clothes like this. I just, I don't want to look at all. <laughs> but right afterwards, they are applying deodorant. Why? Because they want a nice fragrance. Well, the same way, we have to rub the Word of God on us. We have to get His thinking as to be our thinking. Why? So that we give off a sweet fragrance. So let me ask you, have you applied the fragrance this morning? I know y'all did that. We all smell good. But how's your thinking? What kind of fragrance is your thinking like? Because it's going to come out by the way you talk. It's going to come out in how you walk in the building this morning. 
And it's just this negative that I carry on. It's a fragrance. And whether you realize it or not, your fragrance is being smelt by a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's there, right? So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we are rubbing and continue to rub until his thoughts become my thoughts. This is what we're going for. Okay. So now let's go back to our root for my, this is my foundation for living. It's Ephesians chapter three seventeen. Okay. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Now, how many of you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Amazing. He has now made his home in your heart. He now lives there through his spirit. Jesus himself, through his Holy Spirit, is living on the inside of us. He's made his home. Now what do I do now that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Right? Well, the next thing that a lot of times we would advocate is you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. That's vital. But then, okay, now what do I do with my life? What's, what's, this, what's this life that now I'm part of? Now our roots need to go down into God's love to keep us strong. Now, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but just, just a thought that came to me as I was thinking on this, but the same love that saved me is also the same love now that I live by. You, it's, we can't just leave it, oh, it's Jesus loves me, not Jesus loved me. Jesus loves me today. Not just Jesus loved me when I accepted Jesus at the altar at some church or a camp or in my basement, in my home, in a TV. No, it's Jesus loves me, not Jesus loved me. The same love by which he saved me is the same love by which I live my life now. And he tells us our roots need to grow down into this love to keep you and I strong. So now what we're in the process of doing is now you may have to get rerouted out of some different things in your life. And we talked about a few of those last week. Maybe it was education. Maybe it was your finances. Maybe it's, you know, uh, depending on government, depending on other people. Those may be roots that you grew up with. But God is saying now that you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, no longer are you able to have all these other roots where they're your source, where you depend on these things now to take care of you and to give you the joy, to give you peace, to give you the comfort that you're looking for. His love now is supposed to be the root for your entire existence from here on in. Why? Because from this place, from this root, I now perceive, I think, I look like at the world from a totally different perspective of knowing God loves me. Say that with me. God loves me. He loves me. That's not just a cute Christian slang. It is an absolute root for our lives as believers is God loves me. So this is the root that we got to get deep into. I got to get so deep into this thing that it changes my entire being, right? Okay. No, uh, in the Passion Bible, it says it like this. The resting place of his love will become the very source and the root of your life. This is what it's supposed to be. It's my source. Did you know that the love of God that he has for you will take care of every human need that you'll ever need? It absolutely is able to do that. It saved you from hell. Hello? His love reached down to you? Reached you out? If his love could do that, his love can get you anything else that you need. Amen. John 15, 9, it says this in the, I'm having the passion. He says, Jesus said, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must, say it with me, you must, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. It has to nourish it. How is my spirit, what is it getting nourished by? Of course, the word being food for us. But how is my heart being nourished so it's strong, so I'm rooted to face the challenges of the day? 
It's got to be rooted in his love. And this is the cool thing. You know, I was just, this past week, I was had the opportunity to drive to Edmonton for a pastor's day. And as I was driving, I just took that hour and I was just thinking on how much he loves me. And what, what is happening when I'm spending time meditating on it, thinking about it, I'm starting to get my roots down deep into how much he loves me. Listen, once you root yourself in it, nothing and nobody can push you out of it. But you have to intentionally root yourself, right? And this is the thing we just, we talked a little bit briefly last week, but um, where am I? Oh, no, I'll, I'll get there. Uh, God loves me. This is the place of my functioning. I filter life through the lens that God himself loves me. So I'm believing this, that God will show you that you need to reroute yourself. There's a few areas that I had to reroute myself in. The big one was people-pleasing, that I was so interested and cared more about what other people thought about me. And as long as other people were happy with me, okay, then I'm at peace. I could sleep at night. But if somebody is upset with me, Oh man, then you try to make things right. You make things worse. Anybody ever tried that before? Oh man, right? This doesn't work. And then you're up and you're, you know, you're stirring in sleep and you're, you're angry or you're flustered. To put that aside, and now I can easily rest because I know that I know that I know God loves me. And now I sleep. This has become my resting place is how much he loves me. Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, we know and we trust his love. Look at what, what John, the, the Holy Spirit, speaks to us through John. He says, we know. Everybody say, we know. Now, what does this word know? It's experiential knowledge, right? It's not just head knowledge. It's I've experienced this love. It says, we know by experience how much God loves us. And now what? We have put our trust in his love. So now here's the thing. I'm supposed to know and experience it. Now I'm also supposed to trust this love. Now we talked extensively last week about knowing this love. And again, how do we come to the place where we know God loves us? How do I know and how do I get my roots down into this love? There's not a secret way to it. There's only one way. And it's through meditation and through taking the time of getting to know how much God loves me. You have to, again, as I said, intentionally do this. There's no shortcut to this. There's not, you know, I'm just... I'm looking around for different, there's only one way, it's through meditation and taking the time to hear these words of what he said and get it rooted on the inside of my heart. And these are the verses we talked about. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 through 11. Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39. Meditate on them. Let me encourage you, especially the days that we are heading into and we're already in. Meditate on these verses. See how much the Father loves you. See it. See it. You gotta see it for yourself. And I know this, that when you spend time meditating on this, God is gonna give you pictures. My journal that I have is full of pictures, not very good ones, but I got a ton of pictures in here of God just showing himself to me of how much he loves me. And what happens now, I'm getting rooted and rooted in this, that I don't care if anybody says anything about me. I don't. And the joke that we have for the past three weeks, I don't care if anybody doesn't like my tight pants. I'm okay with that. For those of you who don't know, like, what's he talking about? Well, a couple weeks ago, I had a, a wonderful opportunity to just walk in love. The gentleman had a, had a few choice words for me. You know, once you put your stuff online, you never know who's going to listen, never know who's going to not like what you're saying. And uh, this guy just said, I'm tired of those tight pants preacher. They don't know what they're talking about. And he started jabbering off. And I thought, I didn't really care that so much the doctrinal side. I'm like, he doesn't like my pants. Like, these are... 
<laughs> these are really nice. So I gave the address to the church and he said, you know, if, if you find a pair of jeans that you'd like me to wear on a Sunday, send them on over and I'll try them on and we'll see what, what happens from there. Anyway, <clears throat> so now here's the next question. So I must know how much God loves me. And here now, how will I know when I'm rooted in his love? How will I know that? Are you ready? Here's a few just different tidbits for you. And you already know it. How will I know when I'm rooted? Number one is my thinking will change. Absolutely will change. Well, I just want that to happen now. Start meditating. Your thinking will absolutely get changed. Secondly, how I view life, how I view people, how I view challenges, how I view money, everything in life, my view of life will completely change. That's how you know you're rooted in love. Thirdly, then, how you speak will change. Rather than just having a bunch of confession cops around saying, oh, don't say that, don't say that. No, 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 it's not about just saying something, it's about rerouting myself, right? What you say is just fruit of where you're rooted. So if you're talking about worry, talking about what's going on, and a big one now that we have going on in this country is, of course, with with the political side of things. We all know what took place. Maybe we're not all happy about it, but that does not change how much God loves us. God loves me. This is my root, not who's in power. What if the conservatives were in? Yippee, okay, it's great. And what if things don't go well? Right? Then you're changing again. My root can stay the same. I trust his love for me. I'm not dependent upon who's in charge or who's not in charge. That's not my root. Come on, somebody. That's a good place to be. Because all of a sudden, you can just join the hate crowd and get all flustered in that and miss God providing for you, giving direction of what you can do. Because I believe this, that even though it may not be hot where we're looking at right now, God is able to surpass all of that and make this the best years of your life. Why? Because He's my source. He came to give me everything in abundance to the full till it overflows. He's not limited by who's the prime minister, who's the premier, and who's not. He's my God, not them. So you know, we got to get our roots established in this for you and I to even see the best. Man, I would hate for that. Like all of a sudden you get to heaven and God shows you during this time and says, I had this for you and I had that for you. Go, oh, how did I miss all that? Because you were so caught up in the wrong root, so angry, so and we missed the whole thing. That's dangerous. We got to make sure that, because I mean, you read, you read Exodus. When it was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. Man, when cattle were dying in Egypt, non, not in Israel, not in Goshen wasn't happening to those people. Why? Because we are the called out ones. Say it, I'm called out. You're not in the, you are in this world, but you're not of it. Who is my God? Who's my prime minister? Well, heavenly speaking, Jesus is my high priest. He's my boss. I look to him and we're going to talk about this in a moment here. Okay. So now, as I said, so how, my thinking, how I view life, how I speak. And then lastly, how will I know if I'm rooted in love? Because what used to scare me now doesn't. Amen. <laughs> amen. That's a good amen. First John chapter 4, 18, it says this. Do I have that on that screen? It says, such love, talking about the love that God has for you, has zero fear. Because what perfect love expels, it casts out, it gets rid of all fear. Because what, what's going on in, in, in our nation specifically right now? There's fear talk. Right? It's, it's fear talk. It comes out in the guise of anger. It comes out in the guise of, what are we going to do? And they did this. And it comes out in hate. But it's all, if you look at the root of all of it, it's fear-based. 
It's all rooted in fear. What if I don't have enough? What if the money gets all run out? It's all fear. In God's kingdom, you've been taken out of that darkness kingdom. You've been brought into the kingdom of his dear son where there is plenty enough to go around. God is not short on anything. And he is able to get stuff to you that you would have no idea how else. You would have no thought in your own mind. But God is able. Say that with me. God is able. Has he relaxed his hold on you? Is his arm too short to reach you? No! It's not! I trust my God. Okay. So this is the next part. Trusting his love. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. So again, that's how we know his love. Now we need to put our trust in his love. Okay, I've experienced his love. That's, that's great. Now, there may be times where he, you know, what we're going to find out as we go on in this series, love has said some things about us. Love has done some things for us that are absolutely mind-boggling. That they, go, they are out of this world amazing. Some of the things that love has already provided for you and I. And now God, what, what, he, what he's asking us to do, as we saw in 1 John 4, to know it, but now to trust it. Say with me, trust it. If he says something, don't argue with him about how maybe you've misbehaved or how my behavior has been. Trust what he says. You got to go with what love said. And so, and this is the big one, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend. Everybody say, do not. Do not depend on your own understanding. So when I read this, at some point in time, there will be a time when he says, what he says and what he reveals to me will contradict my thinking. There will be a contradiction. So right off the bat, you see it here. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Why? Well, because sometimes your understanding ain't going to get it. Can, can you see this? This is vital. And as long as we keep relying on our understanding, we're not able to fully trust the Lord and experience everything he has for us. So what he's telling you and I, please trust my love. The same love that saved you is the same love that you can trust now in your everyday life to raise your kids, to be the spouse. Man, when I want to show you your next step, when it's a launching pad for you, trust his love for you. Why? Because his love cannot fail. This is who our God is, right? And so anybody ever heard those words, you know, have faith in God, trust God, right? In other words, when you hear those words being said, you could also translate it, trust his love for you. Have faith in God. Now I look at it and go, trust his love for you. Okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you love me, that you're not going to let me drop. Right, this, is a, this is a good place to be. Okay, so I want to just read out a few things to you, just talking about the nature of God. Because First John chapter 4, and I, let me encourage you, if you're wanting to delve more into this, this love God and who He is and who He is in us and who we are to people, read First John. Just take time, meditate in it, spend a lot of time. There's a lot of love in that book, right? And it'll, it'll change your life. But there's a statement that John says over and over in his epistle, and it's God is love. When we say trust his love for you? Well, how can we trust it? Because that's who he is. The nature of God is love. Right? Love isn't a kiss. Love isn't, oh, a special dessert that you may like or a, you know, a Reese's Pieces blizzard. Oh, man. You see some of those commercials fall in love all over again. And you see the Reese's Pieces blizzard fall down. It's like, it's tempting. But that's not what love is. <laughs> That's a strong desire that I have at the moment. <laughs> yeah. 
But love is a person. And we know, and you all know this, but this is where we got to get our roots in. And there's just a few slogans that the Lord just gave me. I want to just read them out to you. But this, this phrase, God is love, answers so many questions that the, the questioning world out there has about Christianity and all. God is love. This is, it's the explanation of creation. Can I just, I'm going to read this to you real briefly. But God is love. It explains creation. Creation was essential to God's very nature. Since God is love, he cannot exist in lonely isolation. God desired a family, a family he could love and lavish good things over. So I am here, you and I are here on this earth for God to show his love. Now, if you would just let that sink in a little bit, that'll change the way you do work. You are not here to work your butt off to try to make a living. Now, that's not to say you don't work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So don't go on the other side of the ditch. Well, I'm just, God just loves me. And then you're a bum for the next 80 years. That's not how that works. There's a working involved in it too. But I'm not here to work a nine to five job. You know, do my thing, watch the hockey game, go to bed, do the same routine over and over. God, you put you here so that you can experience his love that he has for you. Wow. Let that rock your world a little bit. Number two, God is love. It's the explanation of free will. Unless love is a response, it is not love. If I was created like a machine, no will of my own, there could have been no personal relationship between me and him. Love is a free response of the heart. God limited himself and gave men a free will. God limited himself to it. Intimacy with God is now a response by me. God wants to be close, but I choose. Listen, that is powerful. You can, you can be as close to God as you want. Not as close as God wants, because if, if God had his way, we would be smothered up in him right now. God is love. So the reality is, you choose how close you want to be. If you want to be at an arm's length, you can be at an arm's length. If you want to be 10 feet, you can be 10 feet. If you want to be a mile away, you can be a mile away. If you want to be a, you know, a whole country away, you can be a whole country away. If you want to be right in his bosom with him, you can be right in his bosom with him. When, this, when some of these realities started to hit me, it, it, it got me pumped. Why? Come close to God, he'll come close to you. God is willing to take me in as close as I want? Guess what? I want close. <laughs> I don't want this. I don't want the standoff. I, I want right in there. I want Father, I want you close in my life. Man, isn't that powerful to think of? Thirdly then, God is love. It's the explanation of redemption. If God were only just, and he is, he would have left men in the consequences of their sin. Moral law would operate, sinner would die, and eternal justice would hand out its punishments. Thank God he is love. He came to seek and save those who were lost. He had to find a remedy for sin. Thank God this is the plan of redemption. God is love. That he was crazy about you, so he had to come get you. Fourthly then, God is love. It's the explanation of life beyond if God were simply creator, men would live life and die forever. The fact that God is love makes it certain that the changes and the challenges of life have not the last word, and his love will readjust the balance of this life. Woo. Fifthly, God is love. It's the explanation of healing, physical and mental. God could have sent Jesus to solve just the spiritual condition of men. That would have been wonderful, and thank God he did do that. 
But he went a little bit further. His, his love, God's love, sent Jesus to the whipping post. Wonderful, and thank God he did do that. But he went a little bit further. His, his love, God's love, sent Jesus to the whipping post. It was there that Jesus was beaten. Jesus was whipped for my healing. Jesus literally took my sicknesses and my disease, and he gave me his health. He exchanged it at the whipping post. You know, God didn't have to put Jesus on that whipping post. But he said, I want sickness out of their lives. I want mental illness out of their lives. Put them on that whipping post. He did it for you. God is love. Not God was love. He is it. It means it's present tense. Next, it's the explanation of divine guidance. God received God's spirit when I called on him. He came to live in me. And his desire is to help me fulfill the plan that he has for my life. To lead, to guide, to instruct correct and strengthen me until i'm finished the holy spirit came to reveal god jesus to me divine guidance you're not left on your own why does he heal you because he loves you why does he want you to know your next step because he loves you if god wanted you condemned he would have done nothing you wouldn't have had john 3 16 it'd have been just it but aren't you glad that he came into this world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that's what he's still in the business of doing. Amen? Okay, so this is who God is. God is love. And I want to just end with a, just three statements about God is love. So what does this say about his nature? Again, when you hear God is love, not God was love. God is love. It's present tense. The first thing when I read into this God is love is God will not and cannot lie. So let's personalize this. God will never lie to me. Say that, say that to yourself. God will not lie to me. Ah. Now I know you may know that, but He loves you. So every time He speaks to you, it's going to be truth. Always will be truth. You're in my life. Hang on this verse right here. Numbers 23, 19. <clears throat> it says this. God is not a man. So he does not lie. Let's just stop and say, I believe that. I believe that. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. I believe that. Ah. <laughs> I'm so thankful for this. Look at the next one. Or oh, sorry, I'll continue reading. He is has he ever spoken and failed to act? Nope. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Nope. Not at all. And anytime something did not come through, maybe he didn't, he, it wasn't him that originated it. Next one is uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse, no, 6, verse 18. Look at this word. It is, come on, say it with me. It is impossible. This is a mission that is impossible for God. Dun, 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 dun. He doesn't know how to. He, like, he cannot figure it out, even if he wanted to. Anybody see liar, liar? Right? He just, he's trying to ooze you know, the right truth. God doesn't know how to lie at all. It's not in him. Why? Because he is love. It says, it is impossible for God to lie, for we know, everybody say, we know, that his promise and his vow will never, ever change. This is good news for us. We get rooted in how much he loves us. Who cares what they say out there? His promise and his vow will never change. <sighs> what's a promise and what's his vow? That Jesus was a curse for me. He became curse so that I could be blessed. 
This is, this is an exchange. Remember, God is a covenant-making God. He doesn't go with the times of how things are and how emotions may be out in the world. He is a covenant-making God, so we talk to Him according to covenant talk. He has never changed His promise. He will never change His vow. So talk to Him about the promise and the vow. This is what we talk to Him about. Not, oh God, I need, I need, I need. It's j- Just stop that. That doesn't work. Talk to him according to covenant talk. Lord, you said that Jesus was made a curse for me. And what is the curse of the law? Spiritual death, sickness, and poverty. That is the curse of the law. You can read that, Galatians 3.13. But you see that all the way in Deuteronomy 28. This is what it is to be cursed. Is that you have spiritual death. Now he fixed that, didn't he, for us. He took away sickness and disease. He did that at the whipping post. He took away poverty, did he not? That's his will. That's his will. Now you and I, we have to talk to him according to that vow. And if we, do, if we are unfamiliar with it, it's not his fault. we got to get into the will. What does the will of God say? What's his will? His will is his word. And it will never change. And he goes on. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. Oh, man, that's good. Oh, man, he cannot lie. So say that with me. He cannot lie. Man, he will not lie. He will not lie. What would happen if God were to ever speak one lie, this world would cease to exist? It says in Hebrews chapter 1 that the whole world is being upheld by his word. If God were to say one lie, he wouldn't be God. This whole place would explode to the very tiniest little atom. We'd be gone. You wouldn't be here. But we are here today because he has never told a lie, never will tell a lie. Woo! So when he tells you about, you know, an an eternity with him, that's good news. Why? Because he can't lie. To be with Christ is far better than to be down here. So if you've got a loved one that went home to be with the Lord, guess what? It's far better that they're with Him. I believe that. I believe the words in Philippians that we read. Believe these things. It'll change your heart. <laughs> oh, man, so that's number one. God cannot lie. Number two, He doesn't change. So let's say this. Let's make it personal. God won't change on me. Okay, now I want you to think about it when you say it. God's not going to change on me. He's not going to change. Say that with me. He's not going to change on me. What does that mean? Well, tomorrow morning, I, I really hope he's in a good mood. Anybody have that with, you know, a friend or, you know, don't say your spouse, but, you know, somebody else that you're close. You have no idea what you're getting the next day. Anybody ever, you know, been around that before? I know we're laughing at it, but, man, there's been times, not in my marriage, but just with different friendships in school and things like that. <laughs> yeah. That was very discreet. <laughs> But you have no idea what kind of person you're going to get the next day. Happy? You go, good morning? Question mark? Like, is, is it a good morning? Or, or do you need your coffee in order to even talk to you? I'm so glad that God doesn't need a morning coffee every morning to finally start talking to him. Listen, God's got a lot to work with. I mean, you think about it. Like, his plate, <laughs> he's got a lot going on. Let's just leave it at that. And yet that he is still willing to talk to you and I, he won't change because of something that's going on in some other country and he's ticked off by it. Now he shows up in your house and go, what do you want this morning? I'm dealing with a big problem over in the Middle East. What do you want? Aren't you thankful? 
Really, I mean, what you see going on in all these places, it saddens his heart. Yet he comes to you and I, and he has not changed his way. All the people that are cursing him and, you know, I don't believe in him and I curse God. All of those people that are just shouting out the breath, just saying whatever they want to say. Yet to you and I, he's still, good morning, sweetheart. Oh, he loves me. He's not going to change. Look at these, some of these verses. I think it's, what do I got? Malachi 3, 6. I am the Lord and I do not change. And if you read this in context, it's, I kind of laugh when I read it. This is why you descendants of Jacob or Israel are not destroyed. Because <laughs> you read it in context, the murmuring and the complaining. It's a good thing he does not change because they would have been wiped out a long time ago. Just ticked off. Now, I'm thankful that we have a God this way. But here's the thing. I don't want to abuse him not changing. I want to be one of his kids that's not going to abuse the way that God is taking advantage that he doesn't change. So I'm going to just act however I want to act. I don't want to hurt his heart. So I'm going to do my utmost. Anyways, next, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Very familiar scripture. Jesus Christ is what? He's the same. This is good news. He's the same. Yesterday, today, forever. Did he heal yesterday? Will he heal today? Will he heal tomorrow? Yes. Did he provide for you yesterday? Will he provide for you today? Will he provide for you tomorrow? Come on, somebody. Yes, he will. Why? Because he's the same. He doesn't change. James 1.17, it says that whatever is good and perfect comes down or is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Listen, he gave good gifts yesterday. He's going to do the same thing today. He's always got good stuff for us. It says who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God's not shifty. He's not going to do that. He is not giving shadows of darkness. He's not giving shadows of, you know, disunity in any kind of sort. He is always the same. The same way that he is yesterday is the same way that he is today. My God, my Lord, my Father does not change. Maybe you had a parent that was constantly in and out. You never knew if you're going to get a happy dad, mad dad, drunk dad. Whatever. You had no idea what you're getting. But with this father, you can trust him. He does not change. He loved you yesterday. It's going to be the same way tomorrow. And lastly, he is a rewarder. God is love. Therefore, he cannot lie. God is love. He will never change on me. And thirdly, God is love. He is a rewarder to me. Now, you have to believe this. Hebrews eleven six it goes on to say, without faith, it is impossible to please God, but whoever comes to God must believe that God exists and, ever say and, it's great to believe that God exists and that he is, that's, that's great, but you have to go beyond that, I believe that he is a rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. Do you know why that I'm going to live a very good life all the days of my life? It's not because I have the best investments, it's because I seek him and he rewards me. Can you see how this changes? Rather than looking to try to go, okay, how do I make things and how do I make ends meet here? And how do I, I know, how do my kids, how am I going to set up my kids? He is my rewarder. Why? Because I sincerely seek him. So what's, what's your, you know, what's your, you know, your safety plan for future? Right here. This is it right here. And I'm, of course, you mean, there's natural things that you can do. And a lot of times the Lord will lead you in doing some of these natural things. And I, I'm doing that. But more importantly, I don't put my trust in that because if, if it all got wiped out in one day, it wouldn't faze me because he still is my rewarder. 
Oh, and when he rewards, it's not every 15th or the 30th of every month. But when he rewards, oh man, it changes. You, I have a very good life. Why I have a beautiful wife, I have amazing children, I got a wonderful home, I got great, you know, I got a vehicle that gets me to the I mean, I got a minivan. I don't know. <laughs> Still working on that one a little bit. I got to continue to sincerely seek him. So all of a sudden, maybe that minivan can sneeze and turn into an escalator or something. <laughs> but he rewards me. He is my rewarder. My kids are going to be well looked after. Why? Because he rewards those who seek him. Just think about that for a moment. I cannot go down. Why? Because he rewards me. And so now with all this being said and done, this is the last verse I want to show you. Romans chapter 8, 29 and 30. I want to show you this. Because God loves us, because he wants you to experience it, he wants you to trust it, I want you to see, look what love did for you. Now, don't argue with it. Don't go, oh, no, I, I can't be doing that. Just go with what love said and go, I believe this in my life. It says, God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. So what is the standard for you in my life? It's Jesus. How you saw him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the standard for your life. I am not your standard. The person next to you is not your standard. Thank God. Why? Because we got flaws. Not only will you take the good in somebody that you're going after, you'll also take the bad. Right? Thank God our standard is Jesus, who is only good. It says, so that is that his son will be the firstborn of men, many brothers and sisters. Verse 30. He says, um, and having chosen them, say, I'm chosen. That's, that's a big word right there. I'm chosen. This is where your mind starts to get a little bit different when you start believing this. He chose me. He chose me. He chose me. He chose me. And then what did he do? He called me to come to him. So I just see like my hand being, okay, he chose me. He lifted me up, called me to come. And then having called them, he gave me right standing with him. So now here I stand in this place of right standing with him. And having given him this right standing, he gave them his glory. Now notice, I need you to see this because now God loves you and we're getting rooted in this. Out of his love, he calls you now into a right standing with him. And now we see in the scriptures as we go on in this, that there is only one way for those who are loved by God, who are rooted and grounded in his love and trust in his love. There is only one way to live and it is by faith. So faith is not a denomination. Faith isn't a movement. Faith is the way that all children of God who have been called out of darkness, placed in the kingdom of God's dear son, who are now in this kingdom and have right standing with him, they live by faith. Faith becomes so much easier because I, I get a lot. Faith is, just seems so difficult. Faith is, is all, it's supernaturally natural. It is so simple but we've misunderstood it. We've, we've tried to attain it. We've tried to get it. Faith is simply a result of how, knowing how much I'm loved by God. I love you. Thank you. I believe it. And now, every time God opens his mouth from this place of love, we, in other words, that we say it in the Christian world is the word grace. Every time love or grace is speaking, 
By his stripes you are healed. The response to those who are in right standing with him are, thank you, I believe it. Grace, love says to you, I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Faith goes, I believe it, thank you. This is just a response. Rather than trying to attain it, oh, I got to make this work, I got to make this work. Faith is not a confession. Faith is not trying to attain something. Faith is simply a response of knowing how much God loves you and that when he says something to me, I believe it. I rest in his love. I'm not resting in my faith. I'm not resting in what I do good in. I rest in knowing he loves me. Oh, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Lord, I thank you for your great love. And out of your great love, you've healed this physical body. Thank you, Lord, that I'm well. I so appreciate you. That's a response. Can you see that? Rather than trying to, oh, I got to make this thing work. And lastly, Galatians chapter five, verse four, it says that faith works by love. Now, I used to always think that faith works by my love towards other people. And don't get me wrong, that's important. My love walk is, is very important, but that's not actually in context. What it's saying is that my faith is working because I know how much God loves me. Amen? He loves me. So, Father, I just want to thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we give you praise and honor for everything that you've done for us in Jesus and revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, you are so good. You are so faithful. Lord, we just acknowledge and declare today, Lord, that you cannot lie, and we thank you for that. Lord, that you never change, and we thank you for that. You are our rewarder, and we thank you for that. Lord, we're not looking for other things and other people to meet our needs, but we look to you as the source in every area of life. You're the source of joy. You are the source of peace. You are the source of all comfort that I'll ever need. Lord, I thank you for it. And from this place that I freely receive from you, I freely give to other people. Oh, Lord, this is living. This is living the high life. This is living life like you would. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And I want to just make sure just everyone just, just keep praising and worshiping Savior. And you'd like to do that this morning. I want to just give you an opportunity just to raise your hand. We'll just quickly pray with you right where you're at. Is there anybody here that does not know Jesus and wants to know him this morning? I want to encourage you. This is it. It's very simple. It's not a religion. This is strictly a relationship that he has with you. Is there anybody here this morning that would like to do that? If you are a born-again believer, shoot up your hand. Woo, all right. Almost everybody raised their hand. So if you're undecided, I encourage you, please. <laughs> this is a big deal. You can't choose Jesus in the afterlife. You choose him here on this earth. Afterwards, it's too late. This is our only chance is down here on this earth. And if you didn't want to, if you're still kind of, you know, hanging around it, we're going to have our prayer team afterwards. If you want to, if you're still kind of, you know, hanging around it, we're going to have our prayer team afterwards after here. And come talk to them. They will lead you to meet this Jesus that is so wonderful and cares about you. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca. 